Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art, and as always, I am your host today. Well, I want to thank you all for hanging in there while I was kind of missing in action in August. We had so many crazy things going on that um, a lot of stuff I had planned just kind of had to go to the back burner, but uh, we're we're back and we're ready to help welcome in and celebrate the wonderful Burr months of September, October, November, and December. So the, the kickoff to Christmas can now begin, right? One of the adventures we had about a week and a half ago, we had our um, electricity, half of our electricity went out in the house and couldn't figure out what caused it. And we had a parade of electricians coming in telling us that they couldn't find it and they didn't want to take the time to do it. They couldn't find it and would have to rewire the whole house because the wiring was old, you know, so if you had $20,000 laying around, <laughs> of course, that's not going to happen. So then finally, one uh, electrician took the time to trace all the wiring and everything, and he found a loose connection in the ceiling of our kitchen, was able to get that fixed up pretty easily once he found it. And uh, we're back with power and ready to go. So I really appreciate his hard work on that. We were getting to the point where we thought we might just have to break out some candles and <laughs> see, live by candlelight, which sounds cozy, but you know, I, I like my, my indoor lighting. So I'm glad that that's back up and running. And then after just a really long and stressful week of dealing with that Friday evening, Grace and I were in the living room and heard a noise and looked up and then there was this bat flying around our house. We sometimes will get a bat in the house because it's an older house they can get in, but I think the electrician must have disturbed his his uh, home, so he decided to invade ours and uh, kept flying around the house and would hide and we couldn't find where he went. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I do not like bats. I, I don't know if I'd call it a fear of bats, but I just don't like them. I don't know what it is. I, I know some people think they're so cute, but I just thought I have to get this bat out of here and so I couldn't find it and sent got Grace into bed and everything and I was getting ready just to go to bed and deal with it in the morning and at the kitchen sink I happened to look up and there's this little bat face looking at me from behind the curtain over our sink and it startled me and so I was able to get it outside where it belonged now we're all the happier for it you know I appreciate that bats help keep the bug population down and all that, but we don't really have bugs in our house, so that just needs to stay outside. <laughs> all that to say, uh, we are now hopefully bat-free, our power is back on, and we are ready for the burr months. Now, I have not yet had a pumpkin spice latte from somewhere like Starbucks, but I did find some uh, pumpkin pie flavored creamer at our local Walmart. I've been able to enjoy some pumpkin spice coffee. Anyway, we are all doing well. Kids are back in school and we're just ready to head into the fall and, and all that is waiting for us there. All right, I want to uh, check the mailbag real quick. And we have had a couple of uh, comments come in based on Christmases that might have gone awry. Uh, I, I did get a comment from uh, Michelle, a listener. I've had some interaction with her on, on the Facebook page and really am grateful for you, Michelle, for writing in and 
in sharing your story. She said about Christmas disasters. Last year, I got to Christmas dinner thinking my sister-in-law made the beef roast and she thought I made the roast. Eventually, she approached me and whispered, do you have the meat? Quickly, we realized we were having a vegetarian Christmas dinner. We put the frozen roast that she had in her freezer in the center of our spread and took a great photo of our meal and laughed very hard. I don't mean to laugh, but <laughs> that I'm glad you guys could laugh about it. That that sounds really funny. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to still have an enjoyable time together. And then I heard from Katie in Australia. She sent me a message uh, through Facebook and she says, Hello from a Queensland Australian winter, which is surprisingly cold. Normally we only get a week or two of cold weather, but this year has been very cold. Uh, my Christmas disaster is based on the weather. We couldn't get home to family due to being on call at work. We lived in a house with no air conditioning and this summer was brutal. 40 degree heat and humidity. And so uh, just a side note here, I uh, that's in Celsius. So I had to do a quick calculation and that comes to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. No, thank you. Anyway, 104 degree heat and humidity. Uh, she goes on to say, we couldn't cook a Christmas lunch as it was too hot. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there, Katie. Uh, she goes on to say, we didn't feel hungry. We pulled our mattresses into the lounge with all windows open, ceiling fan on, and multiple plug-in fans and slept most of the day. Boxing day the next day wasn't as bad. Wow. So to me, that doesn't feel like Christmas. Part of Christmas, you know, I need the weather that to be cold and snowy and, and chilly. And, and I know that's, you know, just because that's normal for me, that doesn't mean that's normal for everyone. But it just seems like Christmas and snow need to go together. I don't know. So if you were in a warmer climate at Christmas time, does Christmas, when it gets warm, does it feel Christmassy to you versus when it gets cold? Uh, because it seems like all many of the movies, TV shows, music, things like that equate Christmas with winter. And uh, I don't know. I think I would have a hard time with that. I lived in Washington State for a few years and Christmases there were very very mild you know seldom would it get down to 30 even 30 degrees i think maybe we only had one snowy christmas when i in the eight years or so i lived out there and and that still bugged me because i was used to illinois winters you know and having a cold and snowy christmas uh, so that was different and i'm not sure i liked it in any case uh, let me know if if you celebrate christmas in warm weather what's the, what's that like for you uh, send me an email at cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on any of the social medias and I will share your story on the podcast. Okay, coming up next, we have a special guest on the podcast. I've got the, uh, the writer and the director of a new short film that just came out this year called Black Santa. It tells the story of a person of color who plays a Santa at the mall and his son is struggling to understand why he's doing that and why he is. Uh, to him, embarrassing him in front of his friends and others, because not everyone is on board with a Santa Claus that looks different than what they expect Santa to look like. It's a like a four minute film, but I think it has a very powerful message to it. And I was able to reach out to the writer and director, and they were so gracious to come on to the podcast to talk about their movie and, uh, and a couple of uh, Christmas related things. 
If you have not seen the film yet, I will have a link to it uh, in the show notes as well as on the Facebook page. So please, I encourage you to go see that. It only will take about four or five minutes and uh, it'll be uh, worth your time. Uh, it, it's, it's a very thought-provoking little, little film uh, because we will talk about the, the movie and the ending in our interview. All right, so let's go ahead and head over to the uh, interview loft and we'll talk about Black Santa. I'm here today with two Christmas filmmakers. Travis Wood is a writer and director of a brand new uh, movie called Black Santa. Weston Auburn is the co-writer of the film. It's a short film and it tells the story of a father and his son who uh, his father's playing uh, Santa at the mall and uh, he is doing it for a very specific reason as we find out. Uh, and this, uh, on top of all this, the story talks about the importance of representation. Travis and Weston, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. Thanks, Art. Thanks for having us, Art. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, like I said, uh, this film is, it's what, six, seven minutes long, but it makes such a powerful impact uh, as soon as I saw it. I knew I had to reach out to you guys to talk about it. Yeah, we're super pumped to chat. Just I guess to get started. Tell us a little bit about who you guys are and how you came to to write this movie and, and to direct the movie. Yeah, I guess I'll start. My name is Travis Wood. I'm the co-writer and director. And the inception of this film kind of started with meeting some Santas and some Black Santas and thinking about making a documentary project. And then kind of from that seed connecting with Wes and kind of making this story. Some of your inspiration then was through actually interviewing real life Santas. And, and you saw that there's still today a, kind of a, I don't know what, what you'd call it, I guess. Just some people still have a problem with seeing Santa look different than what they're used to maybe. Yeah, I think something going into it that was like a big inspiration was just like, I feel like you haven't ever really seen a movie with a Black Santa as the main character. So that was something that was really exciting for me was just kind of putting that image on screen and kind of putting our stake in as like, we're the first, this won't be the last, you're going to see a lot more of Santa's of all different natures. And I think through the process of writing and interviewing, it's like, kids never really take an issue with it. It's kind of the parents. So that's kind of, I think, who we're speaking to with that message in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say I would say to add on to that too, Art, when we were when we were filming, even um, you know, we had kid actors um, on set, and maybe we can like air quote actors there. <laughs> they were just you know kids, and I I remember I was most concerned about that scene, just as far as like how the kids would react, just to like you know, would we have to you know, get them to perform and just immediately there was, there was, you know, Travis did not need to direct them. They were there to see Santa in, uh, when was that? April, May, you know, they were, they did not skip a beat. They, they were ready to talk to Santa and, and give them their list, uh, you know, in, in the spring. So, so yeah, to, to, you know, add on to that point, what Travis said, it's usually the adults that have the issues. I love that scene and I was watching it again today and I, I was just, thinking about wondering when the f movie was filmed first of all like i don't know if you happen to catch him during if it was filmed during christmas time or after because i know a lot of movie christmas movies are filmed you know in the summer but yeah just the contrast of the joy on the kids faces 
compared to as you portray it some of the adults that are a little more hesitant like oh wait this is different but i love the just the openness and the acceptance that the kids have and i i think this film teaches me many lessons and that's one of them is just genuine approach that these children had that is hey it's santa not so much looking at the skin color i think they're just looking at the the suit it's hey it's santa he's in the suit it's santa let's go meet him I thought that was a very sweet scene. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like it was also really heartwarming filming because our main actor walking around the mall, like kids that had nothing to do with the film would see him and just be like, Santa, oh my gosh, like run up <laughs> to him in between scenes and takes. So yeah, it they they just see the suit and they're, they're ready for Santa. A couple of parts uh, in the film I, I just kind of wanted to talk about, you know, that was one of them. I, I love, I mean, just right from the beginning, I love the opening uh, where... Henry, you know, he gets out of the car and and then he, he goes back to Otis and Otis has instant teenage <laughs> um, attitude, you know. <laughs> uh, I have three kids, uh, two two older teenage boys, and then my daughter is about 13. And uh, I, I recognize that attitude right away. But <laughs> as, as this short film unfolds, you realize, you know, he's a little embarrassed by how his dad's behaving and wanting him to behave. But there's maybe something deeper going on uh, it, with why he is acting embarrassed. So as as they uh, they go into the store, they meet the store manager, um, Josh, who was uh, wonderful actor, wonderful in his role, just super awkward. <laughs> like I get this idea, he's like trying to be okay with this, but it kind of threw him for a loop, and you know he's not wanting to sound racist or something, but. He's maybe just really awkward in all that. But that character or any others, are, are, are these kind of based on situations you've experienced? I'll jump in real quick. I, I would say that, you know, the we agreed that um, Michael Silver Silverblatt, who did the uh, played the role of Josh, was, was incredible. And um, I, I think we knew he was the guy, you know, from the mo- first time we saw him uh, do a tape for us. But... Um, yeah, the Josh character, specifically, you know, the mall manager, I think there's this level of, you know, in the year 2022 um, of of white folks that um, are are trying to be helpful or or um, but can't get out of their own way. Um, and Travis and I, you know, our you know, the, the short films don't don't pay the bills. So we both work a lot in um, advertising kind of adjacent doing films for advertising. And I think it's something that we recognize specifically within advertising is, is, um, is kind of uh, Josh is the personification of the like white woke um, ally that still, it can be a little bit cringy at times. Yeah. I've been there. I'm sure. Well, and speaking of actors, I, I also just wanted to say that, let's see, uh, Theo Haddon, I think, is the man who plays Henry. What what a powerful actor he is. I, I, I mean, I, I loved his Santa, but then uh, later on in the film when he has just this real emotional moment, you know, uh, when his son gets angry at him and he, he's just on, uh, I think it was when he was on the um, escalator just going up to get the meal, He he, he just looks devastated that his son didn't kind of capture his vision of what he wanted to do and and why he was doing it and you know as a father that just resonated with me (laughs) i'm like oh man how many times have i you know felt that when i've tried to do something for my kids but it didn't really come out right or 
or they didn't get what I was trying to do. And man, that, that was just a really potent scene. Thanks so much. I, I think of all the things of the film I'm proud of, like the quality of acting and like what all the actors brought to the table is like really my thing that gets me most excited. Like they all kind of got into the role and like brought a lot more to it than I'd even like seen on the page really. Now, Travis, have, have you done much directing before? Yeah. So I've done a lot of short films, um, okay. definitely over 10, but this is only my second film with actors. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of still a new experience, you know, working and directing actors that way. Cause I'm kind of coming from like a more documentary background. So in this film was distributed through or in partnership with a, a group called uh, Raising Voices. Do you, uh, either one of you want to just kind of give us an overview of who they are and what they do? Yeah, I guess a quick overview. So the program Rising Voices is a kind of initiative by Hillman Grad and Indeed to give 10 BIPOC short filmmakers the opportunity to make a film where they finance it, um, offer mentorship, and then produce and distribute the films. So kind of the hope is that all of these projects end up being a calling card for all of the filmmakers and kind of help us with more opportunities down the line. And um, so yeah, that's kind of a quick background on the program. Well, I, I love that given the opportunity, you, you, you go to Christmas. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Going back to your, to your movie, we, we, you know, you get this beautiful scene of the kids that are coming to see Santa. And like we talked about the, the kids are all excited. They don't care. And, and you got some of the adults are just saying some pretty terrible things, you know, is, is there another Santa here? And, and I think uh, his son Otis it probably hears overhears that, and he uh, then he sees some friends who are making fun of the fact that there's a Santa that doesn't, you know, it's a black Santa, and they're laughing at him about it, and it, just his struggle with that, I, I think, was a, a, another powerful moment in this film. I almost felt like he was being caught between these two worlds, where he wanted to do what was acceptable, but then his father was trying to pull him into this good direction. He's just kind of caught and ends up just feeling embarrassed by, well, besides just the normal teenage embarrassment of your parents, I think there is some, something deeper going on there. When it comes, you know, I guess there's just, there's a universal experience, just the human experience. And for probably most, you know, most people won't know that I, Wes and white and Travis is, is black. And, but when, you know, when writing the, the script, there's, there's a, just a universal story about being a 13 year old and being embarrassed and being put in, being an outsider and being put in a position um, that maybe you are going along with it, but begrudgingly. Um, and so that character of Otis, um, you know, I think probably just comes from that universal experience of being a 13 year old and um, kind of putting yourself out there against your will um and and just going through those trials and tribulations um so yeah so i think i think that's the the one of the key takeaways for me from from writing it with travis wes have you written for a lot of uh films or, or short films or where are you in this on this journey no um actually you know i've i've written a lot of things that have been put in my you know in my filing cabinet and and never never been seen but um this was uh, I, I'm usually am a producer uh, and I just did not produce this shoot, which I'm actually probably a little thankful for because it was a tough one. But, um, you know, the way Travis and I 
came about writing this together was that um, we were going to do the, a documentary about a, a real black Santa in um, the St. Louis area or he yeah, has Missouri. And um, he wasn't doing any um, appearances because of COVID because um, we, we had our big COVID spike last winter. Mm-hmm. And so Travis was home at his at his folks house, um, isolating in their basement because there's a lot of COVID in this story, but he also had COVID. So he was down in his parents' basement and uh, he and I were chatting and he's like, you know, there's this grant, you know, what should I, you know, what should I do? And I was like, well, what if you did the fictional version of, of Black Santa? Um, and he was like, oh, that sounds great. And then I think we hung up the phone and, and then I texted him and I was like, hey, could I write it with you? And, you know, Travis is probably one of the most um, gracious people I know. And, and, uh, and he, you know, allowed me to kind of help, help write it with him. And it was, we wrote it in two days and we thought we were geniuses and we sent it off. And then, um, and then uh, Travis won the grant. And then we spent the next three months uh, rewriting it because it was not approved by the producers and the executive producers. So we went from geniuses to amateurs pretty quickly. Mm. <laughs> That's usually the way it goes, right? <laughs> yeah, very big learning curve for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another uh, actor who does a great job is uh, the young man who plays Otis, uh, Andrew Toll. He, he looked a little familiar, like maybe I've seen him in something, but uh, he, he's obviously at, you know, 13, 14 years old. He's still a new up and coming actor. But again, he just nails the role really well. Uh, he does a great job on that. He's in the um, Wonder Years remake, um, which maybe folks have seen. But um, but yeah, he was he was a professional. He was he was amazing. Uh, and I loved his outfit too. Uh, <laughs> it's like, where could I get that elf outfit? I, <laughs> that's awesome. No, I told the costume designer we want to make him like as embarrassed as possible, and I feel like they really took that to heart. Yes, <laughs> I can't imagine my my sons when they were his age dr- dressing like that, especially if they're going to a mall and, and they might see their friends. You know, <laughs> it's like no, I'm not putting that on. Yeah, I think some of the intention was like the outfit had maybe fit him two years ago when he was excited to wear it. Yeah. And at current status, it just doesn't really fit at all. And then uh, the the heart of this film comes right near the end. And again, let me encourage any of my listeners, if you d- haven't watched it, to please go and watch it. Uh, after uh, the, the father and son, uh, Henry and Otis, they have this fight like right in front of everyone. And he yells the thing you don't ever want to yell in a mall next to a mall Santa. You know, that Santa's not even real. And and waving the sign in his face, you know, Otis is saying that, you know, you, you look nothing like him. And you, you realize there's something deeper going on here than just, you know, teenage emotions. And like, and then, like I said, you get that powerful scene of, of Henry just kind of, boy, he, he just, he's devastated. And, and the actor does such a great job capturing that. And then as they're having a meal, he, he said that, uh, you, you know, Otis asks, why are you doing this to me? And uh, Henry says, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. And I just want you to see someone magical that looks like us. Travis, if you want to talk to us a bit about that, that whole, I think, because I think that's the point of this whole story. Uh, what were your thoughts behind that? Or uh, Wes, if, if you can add your thoughts too. I don't know which one of you came up with that line, <laughs> but 
uh, it was really powerful. Yeah, I think one of the big questions as we were doing our rewrites and kind of trying new ideas and characters and things was like, what actually would motivate him to be Santa? And we didn't feel that he was doing it for the money and, you know, kind of these other superficial reasons. And I think, you know, a big thing was like, oh, he's doing it because he wants to, you know, see himself in this role and kind of portray that for his son. And, you know, when we were thinking like, yeah, the motivation, the son was a big part. And, you know, in the writing process, I had talked to like several different Santas about kind of what their motivation was. And one story that stuck with me from, I believe, Santa Larry, who's like a pretty famous Santa, was, you know, when he was growing up, he was at a parade and there was a Santa that kind of wasn't really acknowledging him or giving him that kind of Christmas spirit that he was looking for. And he thought, you know, if the Santa was white, would he then, you know, be interacting with me more? And that was kind of some of his motivation is just wanting to see himself in that Santa and be that for other kids so that they don't have that same experience that he can give it and spread that joy and kind of take those questions out of future generations. And so I think, yeah, a lot of different stories from Santas and kind of just really wanting to, you know, really hammer down that message that just seeing someone that looks like you in these different roles, um, whether it's, you know, in a movie or in a story can be, can be really important. And I, I think too, um, you know, Otis in the film is kind of, he's entering adulthood. And so he's, he's losing a lot of that, um, you know, the joy that, and innocence that the children have. And then, you know, and so I think, you know, Henry, his father's trying to hold on to that and have his son for as long as possible. Um, and probably just one X one year too long for Otis, um, as far as, you know, um, being his elf. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we've, we're going back to just the ex pure acceptance of children. And then, you know, unfortunately, as humans get older, that acceptance oftentimes kind of is replaced with, um, you know, fear and, uh, fear of rejection, fear, you know, all of these other things that kind of enter the human psyche. So I think, I think that was an element too. And, and, you know, in this case, Henry, um, the father is the one that's still trying to hold on to that kind of child, child, um, like magic. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask for you, I guess, really for both of you, um, you know, why does representation matter? Uh, I think it does. And it's important. I just, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. I know, Travis, you kind of addressed that a little bit uh, there in your last question, but anything else you'd want to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, just seeing seeing yourself in in media and in just anything, you know, really kind of can open the mind to what's possible. And so hmm. I think for helping like future generations or helping yourself, um, I think just the more representation you see like across all forms of media kind of helps bring everybody up to the same level in a way. No, I, I think what Travis said is, is pretty spot on. Um, I think that, that, you know, society sometimes can limit people's impressions of what they can and can't do. And so, you know, just going out there and putting yourself out there is, is a super powerful thing. So mm -hmm. I think that's what we we're, you know, trying to say as well with the film. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, 
another podcast I do where I interview authors. Uh, and uh, I interviewed um, a, a lady. She's uh, just starting to get short fiction published. She's a an author of color. And, you know, she was telling me about how important that is for her to see, you know, authors of, of, of color succeed. She said, you know, it was weird because for the longest time, that uh, if I can remember exactly how she put it, that she said, I, I didn't even think that something like that was possible for me because I just didn't see anybody who looked like me doing it. And then she started seeing more and more authors attain prominence and, and even awards and things that typically went to the, to the old white men, you know, <laughs> and it just, she realized, wait a minute, I could do this too. And, and that was such a, a moment of uh, power for her to, to be able to uh, see that and then have it affect her life in such a positive way. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, we may not think that Santa is, you know, a, an important figure, but he is, I mean, to, to us, uh, to a lot of people and a magical figure. And I, I, I'm excited to think about what kids will see when they see a Santa that looks like them just to then say, well, what, what is possible for me to do? Uh, what can I do? Uh, because I, I've seen this, character it, it's inspired me to do something I, I never thought I could do I I don't usually watch short films <laughs> you know I, I like the feature length kind but I don't know where I saw the trailer I saw a trailer or something for your film or maybe it was just a promotional picture and I can't remember where I saw it but then I saw that and I was like oh I got it that sounds good and anyway long story short I ended up finding you guys online so <laughs> well we're, we're glad you did art for sure yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, and and it's amazing how powerful, uh, you know, seven minutes of film can be. Uh, it's it's really, really something. So all of that aside, if you like watching Christmas movies for the for the Christmas feels, there's a little bit of that in this movie, too. So uh, the, the decorations and everything were, were really nice. And uh, I like I love Henry's car. It has the antlers on it, you know, the <laughs> Christmas lights on the inside and I got to convince my wife to let me decorate our car like that some, some year. So <laughs> I would, I would have thought art with a, with a year, year round Christmas podcast that you have the decorations, like the green light on all the decorations. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I do have other people I have to live with too. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple pic Christmas uh, pictures I have hanging up here and there that, Apparently my wife hasn't noticed or at least told me to take down. So <laughs> it's they're there. Well, I, I'd like to uh, talk to you both too, a little bit about just about some of your Christmas uh, traditions and uh, favorite Christmas uh, memories and things. Uh, uh, what's your, uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, I think I would have to say Elf is the one I probably watch most consistently or that I've seen the most of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how about you, Wes? Elf is up there, but I'll go with uh, A Christmas Story, the the 80s sure. film that you, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. Okay. That's that's so funny because I have gone on record many times saying that I don't like that film. Uh, and it seems like guest after guest comes on saying, this is the one of my favorite films. And so I, I feel like I need to maybe give it another try one of these days. I mean, it. I, I remember seeing it as a kid, and it, I mean, it did. It actually scared me. So I, 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 I don't know um, why why I enjoy it as much as I do. But yeah, it, it just. I think it. You know, I saw it when I was a kid, and it's kind of stuck with me since. Yeah, 
Uh, but but yeah, Elf is a big favorite in our family. That's probably one of my top film favorite ones too. And that's one that grew on me. What do they call it? Stockholm Syndrome? I don't know. <laughs> my kids kept watching it over and over and I eventually just grew to love it. So, <laughs> But how about uh, favorite Christmas music? Yeah, I guess, you know, just from this film, Santa Claus is a Black Man has got to be my new favorite Christmas tune now that I've heard it so much and <laughs> yeah. kind of had the excitement of getting to bring that song into the film. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the whole thing I didn't even talk about is the music. That was really, really good music in the in the film, too. But I hadn't heard that song before, but I found myself bopping around to it today. And then I had to take my daughter somewhere today and I was humming it as I was driving her. She's like, Dad, what, what is that song, Dad? <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's yeah, I had to explain it. Yeah, that, that was a good. Good song. How about, how about you, Wes? No, I, I will. Um, I'm actually a little bit of a Grinch when it comes to Christmas music. I think from like my teenage years working in retail oh, where, sure. um, you know, you just hear the Christmas songs probably starting uh, the day after Halloween. So uh, I would I would do Santa Claus as a black man, um, Akeem and Teddy Van. Uh, definitely. We didn't know about that song before the film and uh, and they were super uh Teddy Van has, has since passed away, but uh, his family and Akeem were uh, super gracious to let us use it. So, um, you know, super appreciative to them. And that song is an earworm. If you listen to it once, it will be in your head all day. I just like the, I'm not a musician, so I don't know all the technical terms, but I, I like just the sound of it, the kind of jazzy type sound. It's, you know, it just fit the kind of day I was having today. So <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's good. It's also a little bit of a funny story too, where um, Travis, um, we were researching who owned the rights to it. And then Travis lives in Brooklyn and realized that Akeem, who sings on the song as like a young girl, um, owns a bakery in Brooklyn. Mm. So Travis like went down there with our script in his hand and pitched her on the idea of the of using the song and and she said uh you know she was super impressed that Travis printed out the script and, and brought it to her so she she said she'd pass it along to her mom who owns the rights to the music and and um you know took a lot more work but yeah eventually we were able to use the song so um yeah it it's it's a fun little small world yeah she was uh definitely like put that script away and send me an email but thanks for bringing it so yeah it was a it was a cool meeting and uh you know now i have my new favorite bakery in brooklyn the oh, bakery yeah. on bergen um that she runs and owns well I, I know some people who live out there i'll see if uh <laughs> I'll, I'll drop them a note to that's the bakery to visit so <laughs> wes you said you can be a kind of a grinch with christmas music but you know when, when's the best time to start listening to uh, christmas music Art, I'm so sorry. I honestly could go my whole life without listening to. Christmas. Oh no, <laughs> we've got a Grinch here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I actively kind of fight my my fam my parents and stuff over Christmas still uh, about it. But I, I will begrudgingly listen to it on Christmas Day. I think, but I I think my my beef with Christmas music is that there's just thousands of versions of the same ten songs. Uh, this is why I like uh, Santa Claus is a Black Man as a song is because it's a completely unique Christmas song. So mm -hmm. um, I think 
my pitch to musicians out there is to write some new Christmas songs and I'll probably enjoy them. But, um, you know, uh, the same one over and over and over again gets gets a little tiresome for me. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. <laughs> how, how about you, Travis? Um, you know, my family's Jamaican, so I feel like there's always reggae music bumping and like a bunch of Jamaican radio stations playing. So I feel like kind of whenever the radio stations start transitioning is when there's just like reggae covers of all the all the songs playing so I'd say it's probably like the week or two before Christmas but yeah within a couple weeks we'll start hearing it well around here we we might be listening to Christmas music here any day now so (laughs) but I, I I'm pretty crazy when it comes to that and uh but again I have to maybe just put the headphones on and wait for it to be a little more socially acceptable. So, you know, I, I might like to listen to it in early fall, but that doesn't mean I want to subject everyone else to it. <laughs> Don't want to ruin their day too much. So <laughs> one of my favorite Christmas movies is the, uh, the Jim Carrey uh, Grinch film. And one of his lines in there, what he says, you know, bless that Christmas music. It's joyful and triumphant. That's, that's a quote that we, we use all throughout the year. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, one of my kids telling me to be quiet, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, music is an important part of how we celebrate. Uh, so we have usually have music playing quite a lot. Do you have any, uh, you know, favorite Christmas traditions that you do as a family? My mom's side of the, of, uh, the family is, is Swedish. So we drink, we drink Glerg. That's, that's probably the most exciting thing, which is just like a, a hot wine with some brandy in there and, and uh, a couple of those. And, and I could probably listen to all the Christmas music, uh, you know, that your heart desires art. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one of my favorite traditions is, is the glory. Okay. How about you, Travis? Yeah. I feel like my family's kind of like every year we've gotten older, like winded down on traditions, mm. but yeah, I feel like now when I think of Christmas, it's just like everyone getting together is really we're kind of all looking for forward to. So I think that's what all that comes to mind, which I feel like is pretty classic, but just everyone I don't maybe don't see for a whole year just being in one place. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh it especially after the last couple of years when you haven't been able to do that. I just feel like it's made those times together uh more special. Uh you know, and then my oldest son is turning 20 this year and he's in college now and you know he's starting to you know probably in a couple years he'll have his own family and well hopefully more than just a a two but you know (laughs) in a few years down the road it's getting closer than than not and and you realize boy then he's gonna you know have responsibilities with you know other family and all that and it's like wow these days really are go fast don't they i actually remember like maybe five years ago the first time i came home for christmas and there wasn't a tree set up Oh no. <laughs> and I was just like, what, what's going on? Like, this isn't Christmas at all. And my dad was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Just didn't, didn't feel like doing it this year. And, uh, I was just really thrown off. Like there's just presents just sitting mm-hmm. on the floor without the tree. And so, but now we kind of just don't do it. And I, I don't, I don't miss it as much. I can remember going to, uh, my, my grandfather's house, uh, after we were married and, or, uh, my wife and I, we had, our kids were, uh, this is probably 15 years ago or so. It was shortly before he had, he passed away. But anyway, 
my grandparents always made Christmas super special, you know, that's decorated and, and food baking and all that. And so we got to spend a, a couple of days with him before Christmas and I hadn't done it for ages, but you know, when we get there and there, there's a little, just a little plug in tree in the corner, you know, like that was about it. And you realize, Oh man, things have changed in the years since we've come and, uh, but of course my, my grandma had passed away some years before that. So, uh, and, and he was getting up in years, so it was getting harder for him to, to decorate and all that. But, you know, when somebody who was so, was so exuberant at playing, at, at having Christmas than to have it scaled so far back, it was, it was kind of a, oh, I guess we're all getting older <laughs> moment. I'm going to, I'm going to redeem myself okay. here, Art, and, 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 and say that like literally the day after Thanksgiving, if I haven't gotten my Christmas tree yet, I'm, I'm like trying to find the time to get my Christmas tree. So, so I, I'm less of a Grinch with that. I, I, I like the going out and picking the Christmas tree and, and, and bringing it back. So, and I think the longer you have the Christmas tree, the more bang for your buck. So, you know, it goes at least until January 15th in, in the house, but then, you know, maybe goes to the curb after that. There you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you've redeemed yourself. That's, Good answer. <laughs> uh, so you, you like to go for the, the real tree then, huh? I think, yeah. The, I mean, uh, I don't know which is better for the environment, probably neither. But um, uh, the yeah, I think the smell, and I've been told that the fake trees, you can do a smell, but that's that's okay. It's, the, you know, I like the real thing. And then, uh, um, yeah, I think that going out and picking picking one, picking one out, that was like the first thing I did when I got my own apartment and I was, when I was living in New York was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I get to like do my own Christmas tree. So that was like, you know, my big uh, adulthood thing. Travis, how about you? A uh, uh, real or fake tree or sacrilege, but do you not do one or <laughs> not? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think we did a fake one for like most of my childhood and then switched to a real one. I I'm sure. kind of, this is my Grinch moment where I, I did get a tree this year, but it was like kind of begrudgingly <laughs> like my girlfriend was like, we got to get a tree. And I was like, I don't know. We'll like have them at our parents' house. <laughs> so I wasn't, uh, I wasn't crazy about it, but it, it was nice to have her out for a little bit. Yeah. We've only had a, a real tree maybe once when I was a teenager and it's possible we got it illegally, but that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> uh, if in case anyone's listening, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, we just grew up having a fake tree and I think some of it had to do with allergies. You know, it's not really fun if you're sneezing and eyes are watering all, all year or all Christmas season. But but yeah, I'd have I'd have that tree up mid November if I could. Uh my again, my wife tries to get me to wait till after Thanksgiving at least. But uh, you know, and, and just to say she's she's not really a Grinch. She's just what I call normal, you know, one of those normal people. <laughs> She just keeps you in check. That's she, exactly right. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what she tells me. She says I keep you in check because otherwise this thing would be up all year round and there'd be a problem. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but I, I hate putting it away. But then part of the fun is getting it put up again, you know. And there needs to be at least some time where that's down. So, but you know, some people I know would have it up all year, definitely. All right. Well, anything, uh, anything else you guys would like to plug? Anything you have coming up that I uh, think we should keep our eyes open for? Yeah. Only thing I'd say is go check out all the other films in the series. Uh, Black Santa is one of 10. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nine other great short films that cover like a really big range and are all from like super talented up and coming filmmakers. Sure. And that and uh, you can find them all on the Rising Voices website, correct? Yep. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'm definitely going to check those out. Always looking for, for new stories and, and uh, movies, books, whatever. I, I, I love it all. So, uh, well, I want to thank you both for coming on and uh, best of luck to you and, and all the projects you have coming up. So thanks for joining me again uh, today. Yeah, thanks, Art. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us, Art. Take care. All right, that'll do it for our episode today. I will hopefully be back next week with a Christmas story to read to you. And then the following week, I've got a special guest coming on. His name is Derek McDuff from the Underrated Film Podcast. Uh, We talk about underrated Christmas movies had a blast talking with him and I think you're going to really enjoy that episode. So that'll be out in a couple weeks. So some great fun coming your way. Stay tuned. As always, uh, if you would like to help support the podcast, there are some links in the show notes. Uh, you can support me on, on Kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash cozy Christmas. And uh, you can uh, help support the show with a donation there. Also, uh, the Etsy store is up and running and I'm hoping to add some new things there here soon, sometime in the next month or two. Uh, if you like podcast merch, I do. Um, honestly, I just make it mostly for myself. So, <laughs> uh, but if you're interested, there'll be some links to uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, you know, uh, notebooks, all the all the usual uh, merch items. Uh, so I appreciate those of you who are helping support the show. All right. So I hope you're staying cool wherever you are. I hope you're able to enjoy a delicious pumpkin spice coffee. If that's your cup of tea, would coffee be somebody's cup of tea? I don't know. Anyway, I better end it. So until next time, just want to remind you to be kind to each other and to do good. And remember to honor Christmas in your heart and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.